0: he-
1: The show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. So this week on the Tech Night How Live, we'll welcome back a return visit of Rob Pegarero, nicknamed the Turncoat, and you'll find <laughs> out why very soon. Of course, he's a very widely published tech writer, and he also reviewed the new apple spaceship before it takes (laughs) off to alpha centauri or something a little bit later we'll hear from jeff gambit of the mac observer all this and more on the tech night owl live (laughs) now rob welcome back and before we talk about whether you're a turncoat or not i think we briefly should talk about the end of net neutrality and what that might signify okay
2: So this is something, you know, it's funny. I've been writing about this for so long. I think I could probably do a pretty good job agreeing for and against the proposal the FCC just passed on a 3-2 to vote. So let me put it this way. What is going to change in the short term is nothing. Because once the rules are formally published and whatnot, then everyone can file their court challenges. Because the one thing you can count on in net neutrality is more lawsuits. And in this case, I think you can make a good argument that look, it's only been two years since the FCC said, we're going to apply, you know, net neutrality rules to internet providers under Title II of the Communications Act of 1934. Like I said, I've been doing this for a while. What's changed? How can the FCC of 2017, say the FCC of 2015, got it so catastrophically wrong when, in fact, the facts on the ground, it's not as if internet providers are providing a completely different bundle of services and apps than they did two years ago.
1: Well, the other thing here is, If there are court challenges, and I think attorneys general in different states like the Like 20 different states so far have lined up to sue. Right. Now, that could tie this thing up in the courts for months or years, can't it?
2: Yep, easily. When the FCC passed the last set of rules in 2015, of course, the Internet providers sued because, you know, I guess they'd be happier if there were no regulations at all. You know, we all like to live in that universe as long as we were the biggest company in it. Uh, and it took a good, you know, six, nine months for that to get settled. Yeah, until that settled, any ISP would be crazy to start blocking a site or an app or demanding that it pay up for priority service. And even afterwards, it seems to me that it's really iffy where there's such a market. You have to differentiate between what an AT&T, a Comcast, or a Verizon could do, which under the, the new proposal is anything they could say, we're going to block Skype, the service we're using right now. As long as they disclose it, and as long as the Federal Trade Commission doesn't decide after the fact this is an abuse of power against a competitor, that would be fine. But the actual business model competition among ISPs in the U.S. is not great, but there's enough of it that you would risk bleeding a lot of customers right away if you said, okay, you're not going to be able to, say, use Spotify, another example. You know, the idea that a Comcast or an AT&T, as big as they are, is going to get like Twitter or Netflix to pay up. No, they don't actually have that kind of bargaining
1: power. And the other thing you have to bear in mind is kind of what you said before. The negative publicity would only inflame the situation if they did something like that, especially while it's still in the courts.
2: Yes. And the closer this gets to November 2018, the more this is going to become an issue and so I don't doubt that there will be some ISPs, maybe some small ones who can't think to hire any competent public policy help. <laughs> will decide that, oh, you know what? Uh, you know The streaming video service is you know, using too much of our bandwidth, so we're just going to cut it off. They will get in trouble. They will get dragged through the mud, and they'll probably retreat. Uh, now, not that I think that getting rid of the rules is a good idea. There's two risks here. One is that You know, this is going to make the climate a little more hostile for media-intensive startups because if you're trying to get venture capital funding, you know, I talked to a, a VC about this who I've known for a while. You want to know what the risk factors are, what's going to get in the way of this company succeeding, what will help it get customers make money. And if you're not actually sure if it's going to have to set aside some funding to pay off ISPs, You know, there's a lot of other companies, the venture capitalist or the angel investor could put their money into. We'll just let that good media idea go by the wayside. The other problem is the way the new FCC regime is set up, it is what I would call a brittle system in that if the worst happens, Comcast decides they're going to uh, block Skype, say. The enforcement is not something the FTC can bring a case But they have civil authority, not criminal authority. And it's going to take them a while to get that to happen. So if this fails, it's going to fail really badly. In that case, you know, you you better hope that the power of public shaming has a persuasive effect on the Internet provider in question.
1: The other thing they need to fear is the fact that if the Democrats win in 2020 and there are already abuses, they'll have a new FCC and they'll reverse those rules. Right. So, it's not that this is not permanent. As quickly as the Obama administration could impose new regulations, and now Trump has his crew, the next person could reimpose other regulations, and they're back where they started.
2: Well, there's two other options as well. One is that you could get Congress to pass a new law specifically saying the FCC shall enforce these particular requirements on Internet providers. Uh, right now, the, the reason why we've had this discussion for so long is for years the FCC tried to write net neutrality rules that still treated ISPs as what are called information services, which is this category that was created in the Telecommunications Act of 1996, that if you read it, it sounds a lot like AOL, something we'll talk about in a bit as I understand it, that describes this integrated bundle of access and computing services and publishing services and all these other things, most of which no one gets from an ISP these days. And every time the FCC tried to write rules on that foundation, an ISP sued, the court said, look, the law you're trying to build this on doesn't give you, the regulatory agency, the authority to do that. So when people complain about Title II, the approach the FCC switched to in 2015, they're saying. Well, we like net neutrality as long as it's built on uh, a foundation of sand. If you actually try to build it on defensible ground, oh, that's terrible. And so if Congress passed a law specifically saying, you, FCC, do this, that ends that discussion. The thing I hadn't sort of factored on, there's a move afoot to use the uh, Congressional Review Act, the same law that let Congress zero out the FCC broadband privacy rules. That were adopted in the last days of the obama administration um, apparently you can also use that to null out this fcc action just now but for that you're going to need to get some republicans to come along and so far most of them have not yet really taken a stance even though the polling on this the net neutrality repeal is it's not taliban awful in how it polls among the public but It's not good. Eighty-three percent said they preferred the current rules, and the survey the University of Maryland did a few days ago.
1: The other thing to bear in mind here is, like I said, it's still, I think, the publicity. The ISPs are already not held in high regard. We don't like our cable company. We don't like our ISP. And a lot of people do live in areas that are ill-served by ISPs. There aren't enough of them. Or you have a situation like, for example, in the Phoenix metro area, which is one of the top five cities in the nation. And we've got two ISPs, one of which gives you, you know, like low to medium speed, that's CenturyLink. The other gives you relatively high speed Cox. But you're also in situations where... Housing complexes, developments may be wired by one of those providers. And so if you live in an apartment, as I've done, where you can only get one of the ISPs, the other isn't even allowed or allowed with very restricted performance, you're stuck. There is no competition. And this is in a major city. Imagine if you're in rural areas. Now, the other argument made, and I heard the chairman of the FCC on a friendly cable network today And his logic is that this control stifles competition and stifles innovation. And, you know, there are things they've done, the ISPs, where they're adding stuff. I don't see what's been stifled. We've got more to come with Rob Pegarero. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live.
5: Hi, I'm Rick Osic, president of Famous Footwear. Every new parent dreams of bringing their baby home for the first time. But some babies are born too sick or too soon to come home right away. That's why Famous Footwear supports the life-saving research and programs of the March of Dimes, the leading nonprofit organization for pregnancy and baby health. Help us give every baby a fighting chance so that more babies can come home healthy. Learn how at marchofdimes.org.
11: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl That's news at technightowl If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum That's forum dot
1: But you see, when it comes to net neutrality, anytime there are regulations, there's always gonna be somebody who comes up there and says, this stifles innovation. I don't get that.
2: The, the I guess now dead rules, you know, the, there's no real, they say you cannot block or throttle a legal site service or app. There can't be any compliance costs there unless you were gonna to try to sneak that in otherwise, and you have to spend time trying to make it look like something that it is not. Now there was this provision called the the General Conduct Rule, which said basically the, it was the FCC saying it's trying to deal with the Netflix issue when Netflix became mysteriously unwatchable on connections that should have been more than fast enough on Comcast and Verizon and other you know big broadband ISPs, saying we reserve the right to step in if we think there's some you know unfair dealing going on, and some ISPs didn't like that they thought it would you know be subjected to an extra level of scrutiny. It hasn't really been used. Uh, what I can tell you is the ISPs I have talked to, you know, one small one in the Bay Area Sonic, uh, the CEO, Dane Jasper, said, this is nothing to us. The, the compliance costs for us are zero. You know, we like net neutrality. We don't want to be, you know, shaping our customers' traffic in any way. Another one is a, a wireless internet provider in the Boston area called Starry. Their CEO, Chick Kanogia, said the same thing. Like, look, we don't have data caps. We do not want to get between the customer and the internet sites they want to use so this is not a problem to us
1: you know what i tend to think like i said it'll be the fear of public opinion if nothing else after the lawsuits are decided that will prevent anything from happening they're not going to go back like what was it verizon had a problem there they were throttling netflix and there's going to be competition in netflix now more not just of course, what we already have, like Amazon, but with Disney and the Fox merger, it appears that Disney might use Hulu, get a controlling interest, use Hulu as the basis for their streaming service. So if there are all those options, and then, of course, you have one ISP Comcast, which owns NBC, Universal, NBC and they Universal. want to get in there and get their content, too, it's going to cause problems. And it's going to create notice. And they have to realize, the ISPs, too, that the political winds change. Whatever happened this week can unhappen. Let's move to other topics here. And I want to connect this to something you said before about, of course, AOL and AIM. AIM. R-I-P-A-I-M. Yes, R-I-P-A-I-M. It's history. It's gone. And I remember... AIM is where the AOL instant messenger became available to everyone, virtually. And that went on for what? From the late 1990s through 2017. So we're talking about 20 years or so. And all things must pass. It's funny, I still had an active buddy list that I've slowly migrated to other services. But Wow, I can't remember when I last logged into to AOL Onsen Messenger.
2: It has been a while.
1: And to think, what was it, 17 years ago, AOL bought (laughs) Time Warner in one of the wackiest deals ever where they leveraged all their funny money? Uh, And
2: you know they wish they could hit the undo button on that one. A whole lot of shareholder value went up in smoke.
1: Unless you were, were right at the beginning and you benefited and you cut your losses and you just sold everything. Right. If you did it the day it happened, you'd be in good shape now. Anyway, I don't miss it. You know, right now what I use is messages because yeah, we have the proprietary Apple stuff, but it's also compatible with standard SMS messaging. I use Facebook Messenger. And there are a couple others out there, but that's enough. My son uses WhatsApp. It's funny. I have an entire row of apps on my phone
2: screen, all of which do the same basic thing. <laughs> well, as messenger did. I have to write. There's Slack, the workplace collaboration app. Signal, the encrypted messaging app. WhatsApp, great for international travel. Facebook Messenger, Google Hangouts. My SMS client is elsewhere. And there's got to be some other apps that let me send messages back and forth. I literally cannot keep track of this. I have had times where someone has sent me an instant message. I've dismissed the notification, and then I'm opening up app after app thinking, where did this guy send me this note? I cannot find it. AOL was ahead of the game, and in, in one big way, you look at how AOL and Messenger worked. They had the raw materials to be Facebook. You had your friends list, your buddy list. You had you know a profile you could build. You could post status updates once one sort or another. You had presence so you knew when You know, your friends were online, they could see when you were online. And they kind of did nothing with it. They left it to Mark Zuckerberg to decide, right, people want a way to know what their friends are up to.
1: A missed opportunity. Right now, I think the Facebook Messenger, I'm using a Mac client, it's called Free Chat for Facebook Messenger. And that gets most of the traffic. Like I said, Messages does, but mostly for SMS messaging or fellow users of Apple products. My son, Grayson, uses WhatsApp. Anyone has something else, I'll say, forget it. I'm not interested. I don't want to deal with it. Three is enough. And as you say, coping with those three can be
2: awkward. So I, I didn't used to have this app on my phone, but then I went to China for business in June. Everyone in China uses WeChat and WeChat is really what that's another possible feature Aim could have been WeChat it's you know it's messaging it's your identity you know people have their WeChat handles on their business cards you can pay for stuff with it you can look up maps you can read the news in it it's essentially this layer of middleware that to a certain extent makes the kind of phone you use in China relevant because everyone's just on WeChat all the time and now they're trying to get the service to take off in the U.S. And, you know, I don't know if I want to trust a whole lot of communication to a company based in the people's Republic of China. I've got my hang-ups about that.
1: My hang-up is another service. I think AOL, before they really found it up, had the advantage of having widespread support. And that was always the problem. Everybody wants to do their own. And if the industry would just say, let's just have one chat system, so, everybody can talk like the telephone system. I wrote that column at least twice for the Washington Post. We, when I you think had we, I, MSN Messenger, Yahoo Messenger, remember that? Sure. Anyway, AIM didn't aim high enough. Nope. And they're gone. Oh, well. You. Had the chance to go to a spaceship. You visited a spaceship, my friend. No, I, did not. I visited
2: a talk by Johnny Ive where he mentioned the Apple Spaceship Campus.
1: Okay. You visited a talk by about a spaceship. Yes. Understand here we do have another radio show about UFOs <laughs> and things that go bump in the night called the PowerCast. And we, from time to time, do talk about spaceships. And more and more Earth like planets are being seen in our galaxy, being discovered, and possibly ET is out there, and ET may already be here. But it did not land in the Silicon Valley. I don't think. More to come. With Rob Pegarero, I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live.
12: You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com
13: today. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I'm here to tell you about GCNtelecare.com, a team of board-certified doctors assisting you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year within 15 minutes of registration care your family can afford revolutionizing the healthcare industry virtual consulting providing diagnosis of non-emergency medical issues by phone or secure video on computer or smart mobile devices gcntelecare.com virtual care anywhere
14: this is dan Pillard. do you have the irs money you can't pay are tax debts crippling you i've defended people from the irs for over 30 years
9: Have you checked your ECS lately? We have. We are New Pharma, scientists who specialize in human functions controlled by the endocannabinoid system, or ECS. Let me simplify. Your ECS is involved in physiological processes like appetite, pain sensation, mood, memory, and immune systems. New Pharma's patent-pending science is the big difference in our natural solutions formulated for your well-being. For example, our foundation product provides targeted nutrition to support a healthy endocannabinoid system, which is directly responsible for managing and controlling inflammation. This product contains turmeric, which is known as one of the best anti-inflammatories on the planet. Our Allergies product contains sage, which is a very effective decongestant. See all of our amazing capsules, essential oils, and ECS herbal teas at GNUPHARMA.com. New Pharma, your
15: path to wellness begins here. Message and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head? Comb it over? Wear a hat? Just stop. This isn't 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration expert, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to everyone who texts EZ66 to 85850. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part, Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let them show you, for free, how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY66 to 85850. Ask about the Bosley Guarantee. easy six six to 85850.
5: Live with Gene Steinberg. It's the Tech Night Owl. Because you never know what's going to happen next.
1: Okay, so tell us about... The Apple Spaceship, before we find out why you've become a turncoat, Rob
2: Pegoraro. <laughs> so, yeah, Johnny and I gave a talk at the Herschern Museum in uh, Washington, D.C. a few weeks ago, and uh, I managed to get him just off the street. <laughs> I was trying to work with the Smithsonian PR people, and there was a lot of back and forth. And then I was like, well, show up half an hour early. I got him off the wait list, and it was a good talk. I was very careful to not share information about unannounced products, But at some point, his interviewer, this writer for Fast Company, so talk about Apple Park, the spaceship headquarters, as an Apple product. And it must have like set off a nerve in Ive because he said, you know, that's the thing. We didn't make this for you. And so it's sort of bizarre that, that people are complaining about this when it's not for you. It's for us. And I know how we work and you don't. But pretend it's in this accent where you pronounce aluminum as aluminum. And sort of went on at length about how, this is this tool that's going to help us do all these great things, make better products. And I tweeted a quote or two from this. It's not for you, line, It's for us. Really set off people a lot. And then I started thinking, you know, there's a couple of stories I've read about Apple Parks construction. There was a February report from Reuters, which recounted like a year and a half of debate over the contours of a door handle, uh, you know, 30 pages of specifications about the wood paneling used in the building. And then there was Stephen Levy's cover story in Wired. Laying all this insane, obsessive attention to detail, which you know, if you work there, is great. But you know, I'm looking at this iMac in front of me. Uh, I've got this iPad Mini four on the desk in front of me. There's a MacBook Air to my right, and the software and all these things doesn't show the same attention to detail. And in fact, the day after, I think the day of, I've talked. That's when Apple had to ship out a which of the last minute iOS bug fixes was it? It was either the one to fix. The fact that you couldn't type the letter I correctly. No, no, it was the one in Mac OS that um, you could gain root access to the machine by typing root into a the system preferences dialog box without a password doing it twice. Boom, you're in, which is not good. That's the sort of thing we used to make fun of in Windows. So I sort of put two and two together and decided to pitch an editor at the Post who who'd taken a piece that would written about the Net neutrality back in the spring, basically saying, like, you know, Apple – Where's the love? You know, not that we want our next computers to take four years to ship, although in the case of the Mac Pro, it will. (laughs) But maybe put as much attention or almost as much attention into the stuff that is for us as you put into this headquarters that, you know, people can see from the visitor center, I guess. That's it. I, I have not been to Apple Park in person I'm pretty sure this this essay is not going (laughs) to expedite
1: me an invitation from Apple PR anytime soon. But we're talking here about the fact that they spent a lot of this time, especially Jonathan Ive, and maybe he lost his attention on what the rest of the team was doing, didn't have his eye in the ball. And this is one of the criticisms made, for example, about Macs, where for a while, development of the Macs languished. We have that 2013 Mac Pro. And yep. now, just now, shipping next week in orders were taken the this week Pro. for the iMac Pro. There is a Mac Pro, and Apple emphasized it again. There'll be a new Mac Pro next year, a new Thunderbolt display, which I am betting, by the way, will be an 8K display, and I'll tell you why in a moment. Oof. But you'll see why. It's very simple, but we'll go into that later. Suddenly, this year, Apple loves the Mac again. In April, they call some journalists together, and they say, hey... We're going to do a new Mac Pro. We goofed. It doesn't matter why. (laughs) They talked about unannounced products. Well, I guess at that point they were announced. Right. But you see, Apple does that when there's something in the future and there's no loss of sales expected for current product. They don't care about the Mac Pro. Nobody was buying it. So by saying we're going to have an iMac with Pro features, not telling us it was an all-new model, Uh, by telling us there'll be a new Mac Pro with finally recognition of what people liked about it, which was the easy expandability. All that demonstrated to me that they cared enough, also flattening max sales didn't hurt, to drive the message home. Also the report that suddenly Jonathan Ive is back managing all the design again. He didn't have this elevated position where he's worried about the size of the bathroom doors or whatever it was that he was concerned about in the spaceship campus.
2: It was confusing when I saw that. It was uh, Bloomberg's Mark Gurman who got the news first because I thought, if the chief design officer has not been managing Apple's product design for the past two years, what has he been doing? (laughs) I guess he's been paying a lot of attention to doorways, door thresholds, uh, cooling vents, whatever else is needed to make Apple Park be the greatest workspace in the history of computing, which Apple's own history, if you go to folklore.org, a wonderful Apple oral history site – will show that, you know, a lot of the computers like the original Mac were not designed in what anyone would consider that level of comfort and quality.
1: Well, there was indulgence there, too. So Steve Jobs envisioned the first Mac as an appliance. Yeah. You know, this was the first computer as a toaster oven. You know, we don't have to upgrade our toaster oven, so why do we have to upgrade our computers? Even then, with the new iMac Pro supposedly adding RAM is more complicated than it should be. You got to take it to the shop, right?
2: Not Apple's necessarily, but somebody's.
1: Well, yeah. And I think it's because you probably have to pull the whole back off or something. Mm -hmm. And if it's the same design as the regular iMac, they hold the front and back together with adhesive, kind of an adhesive tape. Let's not lose sight of what we're talking about here, but we'll get into that in the final segment, what decisions you've made about your Mac. But anyway, the core of it is here is that Apple's paying a heck of a lot of attention to their new self-indulgent multi-billion dollar campus, which is their privilege. You know, you design your own home. Nobody can tell you what you want to put in it as long as it meets zoning regulations. You can do anything you want. You want to turn it shocking pink outside. As long as there's no zoning regulation about it, make it shocking pink if you want. Whatever color is
2: going to hide the dirt best, I think is good for me.
1: All right, well, whatever. Key is here (laughs) is that... Apple, you know, appears to have had some problems, but this isn't the only time they've done dumb things like they released a version of the iOS a few years back that bricked brand new iPhones. I think yep. it was the iPhone six. and it was the 8.0.1 update and it was out for one hour. And then they said, no, this doesn't work. We did something wrong, and they fixed it. Never mind. Never mind. Don't use it. Now, if you do restore your iPhone 6, I think that was what it was about. Apple does something really, really dumb. The thing with the password, where you could gain root access without a password. Understand you had to still get to the computer and log in and know you can do this thing for it to happen. So I don't think... Too many people had a chance to exploit it before it was fixed.
2: If the vulnerability requires that someone be in front of the computer, then your problem is not so much the vulnerability in the software the fact of strangers in your house. I would address that first.
1: Right. So the key is here is that a lot of these vulnerabilities, even other ones that they fix regularly, these things that can be exploited, most of them require direct access to your computer to exploit. Maybe they're not as simple as not needing a password. But you can probably run some kind of terminal command and do something. There's a lot of stuff out there that happens all the time. This one just seemed abysmally stupid. So I understand that. But it's not that it hasn't happened before. Yeah. And if you look at some of these other things, believe me, they're not much more difficult than being password-free. They don't require that much more work. Just access. Right. But you were saying. Yeah, yeah.
2: You know, to a certain extent, you would think Apple, they have so much money set aside. They could buy multiple developing countries. Um, They they have a lot of smart people. Uh, You know, their hearts are in the right place. Uh, They should be able to walk, chew gum, and, you know, ship a new Mac Mini. But they haven't, and it's frustrating. And because historically the one thing they've always been terrible about is, you know, telling you what's happening you know, there, there are lots of times when using an Apple product is like flying an airline where there's never an announcement from the flight deck. <laughs> you
1: well, know, you know I what? Think. That happens sometimes. we got more to come with Rob Peguerrero. <laughs> I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night How Live.
12: Thank you for listening to GCN.
3: coming of the protectors find out more at rockoids.com that's rockoids r-o-c-k-o-i-d-s
16: dot com want revenge on the common housefly? fly Well, after 10,000 years, someone has finally come up with a better way. The Bug Assault, a miniaturized shotgun which utilizes ordinary table salt as ammunition. Non-toxic and no batteries required. So much fun, you'll forget you have a wife and kids. $39.95 and free economy shipping. Use discount code GCN and get an extra 10% off your purchase at BugAssault.com. Makes the perfect stocking stuffer. Get your Bug Assault today.
17: If you or someone you care about loves outdoor adventure, then check out Slingbow.com for some unique holiday gift ideas. That's Slingbow.com, where we have some innovative new products for the archer, hunter, or bow fishing enthusiast in your family. Now through January, use the promo code HOLIDAY to get free shipping in the US or Canada. And from all of us at Slingbow Industries, have a safe, joyous, and peaceful holiday season.
18: Call for closure protection services now at 800-667-9035. 800-667-9035. That's 800-667-9035.
5: know what's going to happen next well here's the tech night owl live with gene steinberg
1: you know i've been on flights and i don't fly that much anymore because it cost money to do so unless somebody sends me a plane ticket rob pecorero where they tell you very little except the plane takes off and then it lands and they let you out and i don't recall getting much of an announcement except at the beginning the silly chatter about the safety requirements and about the air thing coming down from the ceiling in case of a problem, that's where you really have to begin to they, worry. They have
2: to do those announcements. No, I like to know, you know, the pilot's going to say, that, <laughs> I like pilots who take a little pleasure from this. There was this one flight I had from San Francisco back to D.C. this summer where the pilot was like, well, we're, we're going to push, push back a little bit late, but we're going we're to fly it like we stole it.
1: And uh, <laughs> we did, in fact, arrive on time, if not a bit early. Going to fly it like we stole it. The problem is, in yep. this world, that could be true. We've got (laughs) more. Let's get back to our regular chatter. But first, I want to tell you, we've got a special feature of the show. We want you to take advantage of as It allows you to really support what we do. It's called Tech Night Plus. If you go to plus.technightowl.com, it will give you instructions on how to sign up to get the ad-free version of this show. We remove 41 minutes of those network ads. No ads. Better quality audio. Plus.technightowl.com. By the way, we're upgrading our forums very soon, and we may provide other options to pay for it. Right now, it's PayPal or a credit card through PayPal. You don't have to be a member to use the credit card. And we're looking at things like wire transfers from your checking account to ours and some other payment services, maybe even Bitcoin. That's going to be with our new forum mm. software. So we'll let you know. Like, I don't know about Bitcoin, but I'll tell you, I remember when it was $1,000, and now it's $10,000, and the next hour it's nine, and two hours later it's fifteen. I don't know about Bitcoin. I'm not going to go into Bitcoin.
2: Uh, I don't want to get paid in it. I'm not really ready to do that yet.
1: No, maybe next year. But in the meantime, we're going to talk about Apple. And I get the impression here, you perceive that Apple's stuff is declining in quality. You think they're spending so much attention on a spaceship campus, this indulgence, that they're losing sight of what makes things happen and what they need to do, and certainly the recent security bugs were pretty stupid. Things like typing the letter I, you know, dumb, was dumb little things. Had, who's um, checking this thing? Local notifications apps,
2: uh, starting December 2nd, your phone would crash every two minutes. So people were trying to trans through all, what which app is like telling me to meditate or whatever, turn that off, um, where yeah, just stuff that should have been caught. They, they should have enough resources to do these things. Yeah, and like, clearly, they can do great work. Uh, I really value the fact that they are trying to make privacy, a core selling point. Uh, so compare like what Safari does to stop ads from tracking you with, you know, what other browsers do. But
1: it's a complicated relationship, isn't it? It is indeed. But you've been using Macs for many, many years now. I know that I met you a couple of times over at Mac World Expos. I remember the first time you had been on the show, and I met you for the first time you were waiting in the food line (laughs) at a Macworld Expo where they had this area just for journalists, and they'd throw on a little spread of sandwiches or something. So we know that you were really into Macs, but now it looks like you've become a turncoat. Is that what's happened? Well,
2: actually, if it was the first Macworld Expo I went to in San Francisco, that would have been when I had a post-issued laptop, which was this piece of junk Windows machine. But I can tell you, looking to my right on this desk, is is a non-piece of junk. I mean, I don't think it's a piece of junk, but check back with me in a year. An HP Spectra X360 two-in-one laptop, which I bought in lieu of purchasing something off Apple's current laptop lineup. Okay, but why? So part of it was sort of thinking, what does Apple have to offer? So below this, I have my MacBook Air from 2012, which really started going downhill. The battery life is bad. The T key broke off the keyboard. So basically I gotta put some money into it. And even then it has a 128 gig SSD. It's reached the end of its functional life. Well what I replace it with I could buy a new MacBook Air, which would faster processor, more storage, but otherwise, you know, really no advances, no touch ID login or anything like that. You know, it would have regular USB ports, but there'd be no USB C port, which means you know, MagSafe is great and all that, but if you have the power brick, the cabling on it frays, is happened me two years ago, you're at $85 to buy a new one from the only company in the world that can sell you one. Uh, the MacBook Pro, $1,800 is more than I wanted to spend for a new laptop. And that was before I started reading about apparently the butterfly switch keyboard on that is It's a really delicate piece of kit. If you get dust into the wrong part of it, in many cases, apparently your only recourse is... To have the whole top half of the laptop case replaced. And meanwhile, I spent some time trying out Windows laptops uh, and tablets for the uh, Wire Cutter's Guide to Pro Tablets. And, you know, Windows 10 is not the uh, same old garbage that Windows XP or Windows Vista was. There are two interesting things happening in the Windows market that Apple thinks people don't want. One of them is touchscreens, which is not always useful, although it certainly does. Map to our daughter's usage model for computing devices in general, but the other is the whole convertible, the two-in-one idea. We have a three-sixty-degree hinge, so you can use the laptop as a laptop. You can put it in sort of a tent mode to watch movies on the plane, even if you're, you know, a cramped economy seat in the back. You can float all the way around, use it as a tablet. So if you're, you know, waiting for the bus, if you're on a train, if you're this was me last week, if you're moderating a panel much easier to have a tablet at the podium than a laptop. And Apple thinks there's no interest in that at all. They're trying to go after that market by making the iPad Pro more like a computer. But then you have a computer that doesn't make it easy to get data to or from other devices, cannot recharge your phone, doesn't have all the flexibility and the storage and the expandability of a computer. Microsoft has no mobile operating system they can turn into a computer, so they've had to make Windows 10 more laptop-like. So what we have in this thing, yeah, it's a nice touchscreen laptop, very compact, very light. It has it recharges via USB-C, so I can use the laptop charger to charge my phone. I've used the phone charger to charge the laptop. I don't have to buy a new laptop charger from HP. It has a real USB port on the left side, uh, a micro SD slot on the right. Uh, I can log in with my fingerprint on the side, uh, Windows Hello, facial recognition as well. All these things where with Apple... I'd get some of them for a whole lot of money, then it wouldn't have all the expandability. And the total price of this thing was uh, under 1500 bucks. I think just over 1500 with tax. So that's quite a lot less money than I would have spend on Apple. And yeah, there are parts of it I miss. You know, I, I'm one of the, I guess, a minority of Mac users who really like the services menu. And there's no equivalent to that in Windows. I miss that. To get things like Quick Look, there's some piece of shareware I need to install that I haven't yet installed. There are parts of it I miss. But this is a good piece of hardware. Windows 10 is a good operating system. I don't think I'm insane for having done this. Your readers may disagree. Your, sorry, your listeners may disagree.
1: Well you know what? Fine. You know if you find a computer you like, that's good. For a lot of people it doesn't matter because they may be using a small number of apps. They're available everywhere. They're using Office, so who cares? Yeah. Yeah, right. And Microsoft will make the look not so different, that they'll do that. Or they'll update their software to give more of a look about the Windows. Like, for example, the new version of Skype seems very reminiscent of the approach they've taken with Windows, even though the Mac version is mm. a Mac Although version. Although it's funny, you know, here we're saying
2: now, it's 2017, and we're saying if you want to switch from the Mac to Windows, it's not that bad because the same apps are available, which is exactly what people were saying 20 years ago or maybe like 17 years ago, if you want to switch in Windows to the Mac, the apps you want, they're there. Don't worry about it. And then, of course, you now have the Chromebook, which is another option I thought of, but I'm not ready to, you know, there, there are enough times where I don't have an internet connection, so something that relies that heavily on cloud apps is not going to be my first laptop. Nice thing is with what I saved compared to buying a $1,800 Touch Bar MacBook Pro, I could buy a Chromebook in addition to this laptop and still come out ahead.
1: I suspect... And people will correct me if I'm wrong. In another year or two, the Touch Bar MacBook Pro will be cheaper again because the original Retina Display MacBook Pro was several hundred dollars more expensive, and then it drifted down in price. The iMac with 5K Retina Display was a specialty model, several hundred dollars more. I think it was like $500 more. And now all the 27-inch iMacs are Retina Displays from $1799 and up. I won't say the same thing for the iMac Pro because I have a feeling that they're running that pretty close to the mark. It's comparably priced to PC hardware with the same parts, you know, the... That's what I've heard, seen people say, yeah. Yeah, the Xeon W processor, that sort of thing. So I don't think that's anything they'll bring the price down on. Got more to come with Turncoat Peguerero. (laughs) Up next on the Tech Night Out Live. (laughs)
19: Most people think life insurance pays after you're dead. That's true. But did you know you can have tax-free access to your life insurance while you're still alive? You can use the life benefits of your life insurance to grow your money with certainty and guarantees. No stock market risk, no tax risk, and no penalties. Call Life Benefits if you'd like a free book about how this can be done. Call 702-660-7000. That's 702-660-7000.
11: Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
1: So he bought himself an HP notebook, and HP makes good stuff. I mean, nobody complains. HP makes good stuff. And if you look at these things, maybe Apple set the design standard for the thin and light notebooks, but the PC notebooks look very similar. In fact, sometimes when I'm over at a Starbucks or some other restaurant where they have Wi-Fi access, and I see people working on their notebooks, I have to look twice to see if it's the Mac or the PC. Yep. Okay. I mean, mean, obviously the operating systems are different, but... If they're all just doing the same thing, we got the email or we're using Outlook for email, and there's an Outlook for the Mac.
2: I have my issues with mail for for Mac OS, but uh, the the default mail client in Windows 10 is it's pretty bad. Very basic. Uh, the calendar app doesn't do time zones for some insane reason. So life is full of compromises. These are the ones I have made, and I hope someone at Microsoft realizes that as a company with offices in multiple time zones, their calendar app should sort of address their own use case. Like, I I could buy Outlook, but I don't want to because it's a group replication. I'm self-employed. I don't need things that help me coordinate meetings across a corporate campus.
1: Well, I subscribe to the Office 365 thing. You get five user licenses for Office, for Mac or PC, and then licenses for the mobile versions. So I send my son. All right. I give him office, he could use it. My co-host for the PowerCast, Chris O'Brien, was a writer. So he has office. There's no real way there not to take advantage of it. It's just so cheap. It makes so much sense. So Wait, I if I was want to run this, this podcast to advertise for Microsoft, <laughs> no, not at all. But we're using a Microsoft product to record for it. All right, good. Fine. So I have Microsoft Outlook here. I don't use it very often. I use Apple Mail. I still like it better, but Yeah. There may be reasons why I do, but if you've got an Office three sixty five license, you have Outlook. And you aren't necessarily forced to use the groupware features. Just if you have several accounts, set it up. That's fine.
2: Yeah, I should have spent some more time in Outlook. I haven't looked at it in a while. I mean back then, you know, ten years ago, I was I was hoping that my employer would dump Lotus notes for Outlook, because that seemed like such an improvement. But even then, Outlook was, they've been less of a hairball in in the ensuing years. But, you know, I remember the first time I looked at it, I'm like, this is the product of someone who, who, unlike Steve Jobs, cannot say no to adding a feature or an option or a
1: setting. Yeah, but you know, they've minimized it since then. They've actually cut back on features. And the thing I do not understand here is why on a Mac, Outlook doesn't access Apple's address book. Huh.
2: That's weird. That, Yeah, that's bizarre.
1: Well, at least I wouldn't have that problem in Windows. Yeah, but we should have one address book. I guess people could yeah. use Google or something. But that's the problem right there. Why can't we just simply have one address book, one instant messaging software? Why should we have multiple situations there? Anyway, what apps do you use? that would kind of abstract the need for one computing platform or another. Of course, you're using Office.
2: Office, I mean, it's like Google Docs is where I do a lot of my writing. Like that's that's actually a layer of the CMS. When I write for Yahoo Finance, we do our sort of editing in that because that works anywhere where people are at. Um, you know, on all the machines I'm looking at here in front of me, the desktop and the laptop, a lot of the time I'm just in the web browser, and, you know, Microsoft Edge is interesting. It, it's it's not like Internet Explorer. Uh, there are definitely cases where in Edge you can sort of mark up a web page and have that marking stay with it, which the thought occurred to me like about three weeks before I bought this laptop. I'm attending some conference, and there's no way to mark sessions that I'm interested in. I'm like, this would be a great use case for Edge where I could just draw a little star right on it. The, the laptop comes with the stylus. Fortune also came with a sleeve, otherwise, it would have, that has a little uh, holder for the stylus. Otherwise, it would have lost it by now. Um, let's see, what else do we have on this machine here?
1: I mean, if you are in a situation like that, using Google Docs, using the browser for a lot of your stuff.
2: Now, for me. Oh, this is funny. Guess what's on the, the screen of this Windows laptop? It's the uh, Apple software update telling me I need to reboot to uh, install an update to iCloud for Windows. <laughs> So that is another layer of middleware that allows me to move from one platform to to another. Uh, Evernote, I've been taking my notes on that for years and years. That's on my desktop, laptop, phone, tablet. Works very well for me most of the time. Slack,
1: same thing. Okay, but looking at this just very quickly, as far as we're concerned here with the cross-platform stuff, there are things that I do here I can't think of a Windows way that's as effective. Not editing audio, because there's plenty of apps to do that. Audio hijack, I don't know if there's any Windows equivalent that's hmm. as easy, as seamless, and as flexible for recording my radio shows. That's a good question. I don't know. You know in it's terms the of reason, like- for example, why I won't use an iPad. I think editing audio on an iPad ought to be a dream. But I can't do what I do now. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's
2: me. It's, it's more often little things. Um, you know, for instance, like I mentioned, the services menu, it's really handy to be able to right click on an image file, go to the services menu. So like resize to 1000 pixels. Boom, I'm done. In windows, you know, yeah, there, there's actually, there's like three different photo editing apps on board. I don't know why they haven't cut that down a little bit. Um, weirdly enough, I install more software through the, the system app store in Windows than on the Mac because it's so much easier to <laughs> install and update an app through the, the Microsoft store where it is literally one-click install, uninstall, and you never see a wizard to get the program in gear. And on the Mac, it's not such a gap in usability between the Mac app store and just downloading it off a web page somewhere.
1: Well, the problem with the Windows store is... A lot of apps are just not available there. But the same problem is with the Mac store. And that is Apple has the sandboxing requirement and they Which have to approve things to in obey. the store. And a lot of apps that people may use are not in there. Even like Microsoft hijack, Office isn't in, in there because Microsoft does lots of funky things with its installer. Adobe Cloud is not in there. Audio hijacked because the functionality isn't even allowed. Yeah. So there is that. Well, I understand a
2: Mac app that doesn't have quite have an equivalent. I wound up buying one off the Windows Store, a drawboard PDF, which is in some ways is overkill. I just need an app where if somebody sends me a contract in a PDF, I can sign it. Well, I can do that in drawboard, but then a whole lot more things I don't need to do. But it was five bucks. So happy to pay it reasonable value.
1: Right. I think you'll still find that the Mac experience is more seamless for the most part. But for what you want to do, you may not really be sacrificing much of anything. I
2: suppose I could always try to run this thing as a Hackintosh, but I'm not quite ready to. That's kind of an extreme step.
1: The problem with that is, is the hardware going to be hackable for that? There's a site there, Hackintosh.com. You might be familiar with it where they tell you what hardware works. And usually it's meant for buying separates and building your own PC. It's for the PC assembler because certain parts will work better than others. And if you mix and match, you'll get what you want. But if you buy a pre-built notebook, the chances that you could use it as a Hackintosh are possibly slim to none you know i do need to replace this iMac so
2: maybe that maybe that's the option when i have you know two three weeks of spare time to uh, put that
1: together okay so is rob peguerrero going to create a hackintosh i'm not going to criticize you for switching to a mac i understand your feeling i understand that apple hasn't always done right by mac users they've done a few foolish things it looks like they're trying to make a yeah. big deal now. I mean, think about it now. It's 2 weeks before the end of the year and there's a big publicity campaign from Apple for a brand new Mac that's just shipping 2 weeks before the end of the year. Think about that. More to come with Rob yep. Pegorero, the turncoat. Not the red coat, the turncoat. <laughs> on the Tech Night Out Live.
3: That's R O C K O
20: I D S dot com. Are you still looking for that one iodine that you can really trust?
11: We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl. dot That's news at technightowl. dot com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl. dot slash radio. That's technightowl. dot com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes.
1: Now, Rob probably thought I was going to give him harsher treatment, and maybe I still will. You never know about that. I might still do that. Always the next time. Are you happy you made the choice, though? Yeah. You know,
2: this is is a case where what Apple's offering and, and where my needs are at, there's not as much intersection as there used to be. Now, at some point, I really do need to replace my desktop, and that's a different case where you know, no one wants a convertible two-in-one desktop. So that aspect of the Windows experience goes away. You know, there, there's so much data stored on this. When we would have, we've talked about this before. I would love to put a new Mac mini, a new one, not a three-year-old design on my desk and then buy someone else's monitor that will be useful for far longer than the computer. And then, yeah, I'd be happy because, you know, the Mac user experience is nice. There's, things just fit together. You don't start clicking down into a dialog box and find yourself staring at some beveled edge dialog that looks like it just landed straight out of Windows XP. Microsoft's work is not done.
1: Bear in mind, there's a quote from what, Tim Cook? They love the Mac Mini. They're not giving up on it. There's going to be a new (laughs) Mac Mini next year, and it's probably not going to be a simple update. They could have done that yesterday. Right Now, I was thinking, because Apple is really loving pro users now, you notice the new version of Final Cut Pro 10, which is criticized for not being professional enough, it will do 8K timelines in real time on a more powerful Mac. Wow. Apple is not supporting 8K, which is a lot of work, unless they are working with the hope of getting movie producers to re-embrace the app. I also think... And this is what I'll say again. Apple is making a new Mac Pro modular, a new Thunderbolt display. The next Apple display will be 8K. And the reason I know that is it's already an 8K model out there for what, $3,600 from Dell, 32 inches, 8K. Apple will do 8K. Apple pioneered 5K. They made it affordable. They're going to do 8K.
2: So, Le- leave me out of that. You know, a 4K monitor at viewing distances, I will, I will see those extra pixels if the screen is big enough. 8K, nope,
1: no, thank you. They do movies in 8K right now. It used to be fifty thousand dollars for the cameras are down to thirty thousand for 8K if you want to shoot an 8K movie. I mean, of course, if a producer is spending three hundred million on the movie, what's thirty thousand dollars for a camera? Right. Yeah, you know, They don't care. They'll buy a dozen of them. Not my equipment budget. It's not on mine either. But in any case here, that's my prediction. Because there's no other reason Apple could have done a 5K display this year. Instead, they ceded that to LG, which wasn't a very good display. I think mm. Apple's going to do 8K. I think the next Mac Pro will drive two 8K monitors, not just one. I think the iMac Pro and probably... Maybe not so much with the iMac, but the iMac Pro, which can drive two external 5K displays, can do one 8K. They haven't said that yet, but it would be you know, similar bandwidth. It's all about bandwidth. So I think that's going to happen. And with that and the new version of Final Cut Pro 10, they're really showing support for pros. The new version of Logic Studio, by the way, supports up to 36 cores. But the most powerful iMac Pro is 18 cores. What is that?
2: One is more than the other there.
1: Uh-huh. So what's gonna happen? You know, what is Intel working on with their next Xeon? I think they're up to twenty four or twenty eight cores now. I forget what the most powerful Xeon is. Of course they're like that processor is like ten thousand dollars. You think by the way, that an iMac Pro at thirteen thousand one hundred ninety nine dollars is expensive? You take a Macintosh two FX. From That cost a lot back in the day. It, it was like $8,900. And then you add all the goodies to it. Extra memory, hard drives, etc. The most expensive video cards. And get a color display. It came up to more than $13,000. Now you expand that to $2,017. And you can buy yourself a compact car for it. So if we have a $13,199 iMac Pro plus the apps... Plus the Apple Care, which is still one hundred sixty nine dollars for three years. Can you believe that? It comes yeah. close to fourteen thousand. Now, what about a Mac Pro with twenty eight cores, or whatever the maximum Xeon is? I have to look at. I think it's twenty eight cores. That one's going to be a twenty thousand dollar computer, the Mac Pro. And you know what? There's a story from Kirk McElhern, old friend of ours. I don't know if you know oh, yeah, him. Yeah, he's not. great. Yeah, Kirk says he doesn't think Apple's making a lot of money from the iMac Pro at all. Because he's looking at the price and looking at equivalent Windows gear. And Windows PCs don't make a lot of profit for those manufacturers. He thinks that Apple is making some money, but not a lot. As expensive as that iMac Pro is, Apple's not making a ton of cash on it. It's a prestige computer. They'll make it up on lightning cables. Yeah, right. Well, you know, I buy... Third-party lightning cables from Amazon. Well, they still collect some money, unless these are the unlicensed kind. Well, no, this is licensed right here. I have the licensed one right in my hand, right, right in my filthy little hands now. And I don't even know who the manufacturer is, but they are licensed. Anchor, Anker, A-N-K-E-R. Yeah, they are a licensed, by the way. Their what license, they're like 599 for the three-foot cable. Okay? 599 I buy a couple of those, and I'm fine. I bought a black one for the car. For five ninety nine, you see, I'm trying to be nice to Rob for being a turncoat. <laughs> I mean, he'll tell us about his experiences in future shows. We'll know whether his next desktop computer will be an iMac. Because the new iMacs are really nice. The regular five K iMacs are really yeah, I've nice. I've thought about that, but it's like just
2: you know, the concept of the all-in-one made more sense when screens do stick around for a long time. And so part of it just bothers me. You've got the sort of waste built in that you have this non upgradable computer that is, you know, inseparably attached to a monitor that, you know, you could plug in other things. And it's like you already need to have other it's no longer an all in one computer anyways, since, you know, there are still such things as CDs and DVDs. So I have an external Blu-ray writer from Samsung plugged into the side of this thing. So it's not an all-in-one anyway, so why not sort of just go back to the parts that are gonna go obsolete first, put them in just the computer box, and then you can have all the other stuff. Keyboard, mouse, monitor, whatever, trackpad. It's a few more cables, but or not actually if it's if half the stuff is Bluetooth.
1: Well, you so know, I, I, I still think-, think that the Mac Mini is gonna be more powerful. I was about to say this. There is an HP Z two mini workstation, which looks like a Mac mini with a weight problem weighs twice as much and it's a little bigger i think if apple wanted to do that they can come up with a mac mini that would still be roughly the same price as the current model entry level but beef up the cooling system and maybe even allow you to throw in a Xeon in there yeah therefore you'd have two professional computers the mac pro and the mac mini so rob Peguerero, tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff uh, you can
2: find me at robpeguerrero.com, R-O-B-P-E-G-O-R-A-R-O.com. And pretty much any social network, I'm also Rob Peguerrero. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, what have you. And I also write for my regular clients, Yahoo Finance, USA Today, Wirecutter. And uh, who else do we need to invoice this month? We'll see.
1: Rob Turncoat <laughs> Peguerrero. Thanks for joining us in the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you.
12: Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com
14: today. This is Dan Pillot. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX. Or my website, danpilla.com.
17: If you or someone you care about loves outdoor adventure, then check out slingbow.com for some unique holiday gift ideas. That's slingbow.com, where we have some innovative new products for the archer, hunter, or bow fishing enthusiast in your family. Now through January, use the promo code HOLIDAY to get free shipping in the U.S. or Canada. And from all of us at Slingbow Industries, have a safe, joyous, and peaceful holiday season.
18: Non-attorney paid spokesperson. Could your house go into foreclosure? Are you behind on your mortgage payments? Does it seem like the bank has no interest in helping you save your home, and you feel like you have nowhere to turn for help? Then we have good news for you. Foreclosure Protection Services can help save your home as they specialize in foreclosure assistance. That's all they do. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, or been the victim of a predatory loan, it's critical that you call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-667-9035. Their network of attorneys and their agents are available to speak to you now. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, Foreclosure Protection Services can help stop the foreclosure process. Call today before it's too late. New laws are in effect that may save your home. Call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-667-9035. 800-667-9035. That's 800-667-9035.
17: Get a 12, 36, or 48-month supply. Or get items individually and still save big. You're getting soap products twice as good as what you're using now. Earth-friendly and natural soaps. Your family deserves the best. Happiness is 5starsoap.com. Why not put your money up the drain for a change? See them at 5 or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog. Cal Bend Soap Company can save you thousands of dollars and give you good old-fashioned real soaps that are triple concentrated. Soaps made from vegetable and coconut oils. See their full selection of soaps at 5starsoap.com. That's f i v e starsoapcom or call
6: 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog. Hey folks, Tom D. for paranormaldate.com. So sign up for free at paranormaldate.com. That's paranormaldate.com. Use the code word George and start meeting others. Get going now and connect with someone you like.
5: What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg.
21: I can't believe it. Skype auto-updated itself, even though I told it never to auto-update. And now I have an app that looks like crayons threw up on my screen. This thing is horrible looking.
1: What they're doing is grafting kind of a Windows look onto the Mac version of Skype. And you're not the only one, by the way. I wasn't given that option of accepting an update without permission, I must have said something in the past that prohibits that. I am running the new version, but one of my colleagues, Chris O'Brien, who is the guy who works with the Powercast radio show, he's running a 2009 27-inch iMac Mm -hmm. with Sierra, not High Sierra. And he couldn't participate in a group conversation. So I call two people, him and the guest. This was last week in the Powercast. Guest was fine. Chris can't hear him. He hears us. Reverse it, if I disconnect the guests and talk to Chris, Mm -hmm. it's fine. But it's he's the only one I had that problem with. Do you remember when Microsoft
21: bought Skype and and they said, Don't worry, it's it's always going to be great. We're not going to mess with anything. Good times.
1: We're not going to mess with anything. That statement was a mess. No kidding.
21: And now here I am with an app update that, uh, that I explicitly didn't want, and I have an interface that's ridiculous. And when we started the call and I got the new ringtone, where it's like a disco song, that, that was just the, the icing on the cake or the salt in the wound, depending on your perspective.
1: Well, just to show you what's been happening, in the previous segment, we were talking to Rob Pegorero. And, of course, you remember him, the tech writer from the Washington Post. Currently, he works with USA Today and Wirecutter and Yahoo Tech. Mm -hmm. And what he decided to do because he got upset with Apple because they hadn't really been given the Mac the love. So he bought himself an HP notebook, a two-in-one notebook. Okay. And I think he's kind of making excuses for it. Well, you see, it still does most of the things I did on the Mac.
21: Yeah. You know, I've had the opportunity to get to check out a a lot of uh, HP's desktop and laptop products over the years, uh, uh, shortly before they would launch. HP has some amazing engineering, and they do some really cool stuff. And I think they they make, hands down, some of the best displays on the market. But when you put the whole package together, and you're running Windows or Linux on on these machines, you're still running into the same handicaps that you had before. It just so happens you have some really good hardware to have these handicaps on. So I'll stick with my Mac.
1: Well, you seem to be able to duplicate most of the functionality. And I think for some of his writing, he uses Google Docs anyway. He's using the cloud. He's using the browser. He has Office either way. He's got iCloud because an, an iCloud for, uh, for Windows, so I don't know if it makes much of a difference to him.
21: Well, it, it, if he's happy, good for him because the bottom line is use the tools that work best for you. And if uh, if, if it's an HP laptop running Windows that works best for him, great. For for me, it depends on what I'm doing. Sometimes it's my MacBook Pro running High Sierra. Sometimes it's my iPad Pro running iOS 11.
1: Now... Since we talk about pop culture, I'm going to spring this on you. You've probably heard of it. As you know, Apple is going to spend about a billion dollars in original TV programming. Mm -hmm. So it's not going to be, you know, this karaoke nonsense. It's real shows, real scripts, everything else. So they're bringing back supposedly... Amazing Stories from Steven Spielberg. This was a show that only lasted two years on the NBC network from 1985 to 1987. It was an anthology show with sci-fi, horror, kind of like Twilight Zone and Outer Limits. Yeah, it was loads of fun. It was fun, but didn't do very well. But they're bringing it back. Now, understand here, it's not the first time that the show was brought back that didn't do so well. Like SWAT on CBS. Mm-hmm they based that on a movie from the early 2000s and a TV show from the 70s where they're using the same theme song, but that was only on for a couple of years. So I guess they think they can do better. The other show was a morning show about a morning TV show, the host for a morning TV show with Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that is another show that... They've bought, and now the report today is they've given a straight-to-series order to Ronald D. Moore. Now, what are his famous shows? The most famous is Battlestar Galactica. Battlestar Galactica. And that's another reboot of a TV show that lasted only about a year or so. Okay, Glenn Larson was the producer of Battlestar Galactica. It came out in the wake of Star Wars in the late 70s. It lasted maybe a year or two. It got a lot more attention than it deserved, because it didn't get great ratings. He brought that back to the sci-fi channel, and it was an award winner. It really had a dark turn on the original concept with some terrific performers, many of whom you've seen since then. So mm-hmm. they decided to have a female, as Starbuck, and she's been on a lot of TV shows. Katie Sackoff. She yeah, was on Longmire, which is a show about a sheriff from Montana. Right. She also is a featured villain in The Flash now. hmm Okay. So, of course, Mary McConnell played in... She was featured here, and she played in Independence Day, where her famous line was, Liar. Remember that? Oh, yep. I right. had forgotten that. On Battlestar yes. Galactica. And she's also featured on Major Crimes, a TV cable show. So
13: mm-hmm. all these
1: people have, you know, really the people who came out of Battlestar Galactica, of course, uh, one of the women pilots became a star for like seven years on Hawaii Five O. Grace Park, Korean woman. And mm-hmm. then, of course, she's no longer on that show because she wanted to get the same Salary. She and Daniel Day Kim from Lost wanted to get the same salary as the two leads. And they offered them 90% of that salary, and they said goodbye. The worst thing, however, is the ratings are the same. Okay, so Ronald D. Moore is going to produce a sci fi show supposedly exploring what would have happened if the global space race hadn't ended.
21: I am really looking forward to seeing. What comes out of this? Uh, Ronald Moore he he did great stuff with Battlestar Galactica. He, he was part of the Star Trek franchise for a while, and, uh, and did great stuff there. And I think this is just going to be really cool. I, I'm glad that Apple decided early on in their whole media entertainment industry thing that they needed to have the pros running this as opposed to their their current executive team. So I'm glad they went out and found the the right people to run this so that they could get the content that's going to make Apple Music television whatever they decide to call it a really serious product. And you know St- Spielberg coming on board with with the reboot of uh, of his amazing stories now ronald moore coming on board to do
1: his sci-fi series this is going to be some cool stuff i'm wondering here though the distribution mechanism will it be part of apple music i believe so because that's the only thing you see that would give apple the advantage over spotify other than the ability to finance it because spotify i don't think is doing super well with the money but how will Apple distribute it? Would Apple then say it's no longer Apple Music? It's Apple Music and TV, because that would create a new climate for this. Plus, of course, it would what sell more Apple TVs. Now well, you get them in iTunes and everything else. More to come with Jeff Gamett of the Mac Observer on the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs>
3: Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R O C K O I D
19: S.com. Most people think life insurance pays after you're dead. That's true. But did you know you can have tax free access to your life insurance while you're still alive? You can use the life benefits of your life insurance to grow your money with certainty and guarantees. No stock market risk, no tax risk, and no penalties. Call Life Benefits if you'd like a free book about how this can be done. Call 702-660-7000. That's 702-660-7000.
10: Actual testimonials from real Numana customers. I've tried all kinds of food storage, and Numana is by far the best.
4: I'm a single mom with two teenage boys and a full time job. I don't always have time to cook a four course meal. That's where Numana has been such a blessing. I can spend less time in the kitchen and more time on what matters most, like helping with homework.
10: Find out for yourself. Order online at thepowermall.com. That's thepowermall.com. Numana is. Six
0: stores I love to eat. Yum!
10: Thepowermall.com.
15: Message and data rates may
22: apply. Warning. Texting while driving is illegal just about everywhere. So if you want to take advantage of a life-changing LASIK offer, pull over when you can, because a special opportunity is just one text away. The LASIK Vision Institute is offering absolutely free evaluations and dramatically low prices on high-quality LASIK. Text the keyword CLEAR55 to 350350 to get the benefit of FDA-approved LASIK technology that gives the majority of patients 20-20 vision for a fraction of what others charge. Text to schedule your free appointment to see if LASIK is right for you. When you text CLEAR55 to 350350, you'll also get an extra 20% discount off our already low-cost services. We've already performed over a million procedures. Today, it's your turn. Discover how you can get the quality LASIK experience you've always wanted for a fraction of what others charge. This great offer is just a text away. Text CLEAR55 to 350350. That's C-L-E-A-R 55 to 350350.
16: Want revenge on the common housefly? Well, after 10,000 years, someone has finally come up with a better way. The Bug Assault, a miniaturized shotgun, which utilizes ordinary table salt as ammunition. Non-toxic and no batteries required. So much fun, you'll forget you have a wife and kids. $39.95 and free economy shipping. Use discount code GCN and get an extra 10% off your purchase at BugAssault.com. Makes the perfect stocking stuffer. Get your Bug Assault today.
5: What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know.
1: So Jeff Gabbard is getting used to the Windows stick pin artwork version of Skype on the Mac. This is Skype 8, by the way. I don't know if I'd say getting getting used to it. Uh, Living with it. Living with it. There we go. Now, I should tell you, so in case you're wondering, there is a way to get the old version. You have to go onto Skype, do a Google search, Mm -hmm. and look for old Mac versions, and you get a version of Skype 7 and install it, and make multiple copies everywhere on your Mac. So it will never disappear. So if it updates itself without your permission, you can go back to it. I like this
21: plan. I I think I'll uh, uh, go download it after we're done with the show, and I will back it up multiple places. I may even put it on like a, burn it to like a, a DVD or something and toss that into a drawer somewhere just to be safe.
1: Now, what I did here is I just have replaced it with Time Machine. And Time Machine gives you the option when you want to replace an app to either replace the app or keep both. And what it did is it relabeled that version of Skype, Skype in parens original. So I always have Skype original. Nice. I like that. You like that? You dig that? So anyway, getting back to Apple, if it becomes part of Apple Music and TV... You'll be able to use, of course, on your iDevices. I think Apple Music's available for Android, isn't it? Yes, it is. And also, it'll go through Apple TV. And this will provide another way for people to maybe want to buy an Apple TV. Because I don't think they're selling great shakes of those. I think it's too expensive. I don't think it offers enough differentiation other than the Apple content. And that's a big thing.
21: You know, I have the fourth generation Apple TV, have not bought a 4k model because I love my TV too much to replace it. So I don't have a 4k TV, but man, I love that fourth generation Apple TV. And especially now that it has Amazon prime support. So all, all the, the big things that I want to see, I have on a single box. So I have my, my Apple music and all the video content that goes along with that. I have uh, everything that I buy through the iTunes store. I have Netflix. I have Amazon Prime. And uh, Hulu is there. And HBO. And I'm, I'm set. So for me, it's like the perfect box. But I can't justify upgrading to the 4K model because I don't have anything that can take advantage of the video quality.
1: Now, I have a 4K set here from Vizio. That I would have reviewed a few weeks ago, except because the newer sets have the legs on the sides instead of like a center stand, mm-hmm. it was too big for my TV stand. Oh. It overshot my TV stand by about three inches. So I had a new TV stand. Not expensive. Cheapy stand. Real cheap. And like that. And I made arrangements with Vizio to also get one of their sound bars. And the reason is I was using a sound base from Zvox. Okay. But the TV set won't work with it for the same reason it doesn't work with a stand. The legs overshoot it. So the sound base is going away. And they've got this great sound bar, allegedly. I haven't seen it yet. But Vizio has a sound bar for like $150 at Amazon. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you get a sale from like Costco or, or Sam's Club for like $125 with a wireless subwoofer. And they claim it sounds better than almost anything. CNET gave it really high reviews. says it sounds better than some $500 soundbars. Wow. All right. I don't know that yet. I'm a big audio person. We're going to be reviewing that. So we're going to have our 4K. The thing is here is that Vizio gives you Chromecast built in. Oh, sure. So why do I need Apple TV? You need Apple TV if you've bought into the Apple ecosystem. In what way do I rent a movie from Apple? I can rent the same movie from Vudu, which is owned by Walmart Mm -hmm. or maybe from Amazon. Sure. Why do I need an Apple TV? I'm not going to play music through it. I watch TV on a TV set. If I'm going to hear music, I'll hear it on my Mac. I'll hear it on my iPhone. I don't know if I'm going to listen to music there. And I have a Blu-ray player. I can always get a CD and throw it in there. Sure. So
21: it sounds like for you, Apple TV is not a necessary device because you you don't need to be in the Apple ecosystem for any of your entertainment content. Right. I have Netflix. Which you can get on pretty much any device. Probably the last time you bought a toaster, it had Netflix installed on it.
1: Well, you know, I think one of the cable providers is giving you Netflix you think the cable TV provider wouldn't give you Netflix because they compete? No, they'll they'll probably take a cut of it. They'll make a profit from anything.
21: Yeah, I think it's T-Mobile that's doing the the free Netflix. I think, but yeah, so yeah, you, now you can even get Netflix just included with uh, with other services that you're already paying for.
1: There you go. By the way, Netflix now has more U.S. subscribers than cable TV. I think that's uh, kind of telling
21: about the way people want to consume their content.
1: A growing number of U.S. cable operators are forming alliances with Netflix, helping it to add customers as its largest market matures. That's from Fortune magazine from this summer. Charter Communications will make Netflix available. I'm looking also at the other companies. But a company called Altis, small cable company but you see that they say that's a way to fight cord cutting comcast embedded netflix into its xfinity set-top box mm-hmm. charter plans to integrate netflix i expect cox will too let me search cox but you see the reason they do that again is they keep people from giving up on cable let will offer a package you will give you Netflix and a basic cable. That's where you can get the best of both worlds. We keep your business, and we take a cut from the Netflix action. You see, you know, the,
21: the and we're not going to
1: throttle you because of the end of net neutrality because we're making a deal with Netflix.
21: Yeah, uh, Comcast Xfinity. I don't believe they have any such deal in place because the last time I needed to uh, renegotiate my my annual subscription or uh, or contract, they really pushed me to use their streaming service, telling me, well, it's just as good as Netflix. You don't need Netflix. What? Well, why is it that you think you need to have Netflix? It, it, it was fascinating how everything they did was
1: to try and get me away from Netflix. In November, according to this, they embedded Netflix into the set-top box. November. Oh. It's used by 55% of its 21.5 million residential video customers. 30% of X1 users, this is the X1 set-top box, have logged into Netflix either with an existing account or by signing up for a new one, the company said. So you call Comcast and see. But you see what's happening here. I wonder what kind of market Apple expects for this Apple TV. Because there are other routes. The sets with Roku built in are getting really good reviews. There's a cheap set. I think it's TCI or something Mm -hmm. with the Roku built in. Gets good reviews. Again, how integrated are you with the Apple device? And do you really need an Apple TV? And like I said, I've got an Apple TV here. But I expect once I set up this set from Vizio... I'm not going to use it anymore. Again, if I want to rent a movie, I can get the same movies from other services. Yes, you can. That's right. So, of course, Apple's giving you the free 4K upgrade for movies you buy from Apple. But then they only allow you to stream those. You can't download them, by the way. Did you know that? Yeah, I,
21: I found that to be fascinating. It seems to me downloading a 4K movie would be great because now you're not uh, chewing through that bandwidth every time you want to watch it.
1: Now, when I mention the fact of what's happening with Netflix and cable providers, that more and more cable providers are going with Netflix. And again, if they do that, you're not going to have to worry about throttling because you're not going to throttle a service they provide. They're making uh, killing on it. But how does this relate to what's happening with the end of net neutrality? And I wonder if you have an opinion about that. We're going to ask you for our next segment here. We did talk to the one, the only Rob Peguero about that, because he's written a lot of stuff going back to the days when he worked at the Washington Post about that. So we've got more to come. Rob was, you know, a turncoat, too. He switched from... Mac to Windows, we mentioned that. We got Jeff Gamut of the Mac Observer. More to come on the Tech Night owl Live.
12: You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
4: Age-related macular degeneration is a leading cause of blindness in people over 55. But with treatment, it can be slowed down, stopped, and in some cases, reversed. Make sure you see your grandchildren grow. Protect your vision by requesting information about diagnosing and treating AMD. Call the Foundation Fighting Blindness today at 1-800-BLINDNESS for a free packet on reversing or managing AMD. Or go to the website, fightblindness.org, where i found so much helpful information. Or again, call 1-800-BLINDNESS today.
11: Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
1: So then, sir, Mm -hmm. we have net neutrality's gone. The complaint that the dude from... FCC, the FCC chairman, makes is that having net neutrality stifled creativity, innovation. But when you see all these cable companies signing up with Netflix and doing other things, I don't see that happening. They always say that, and I don't think they have a clue.
21: You know, uh, Ajit Pai, when he started saying that net neutrality has stifled innovation in the communication space maybe that's true but i haven't seen anything that tells me directly that that's the case and there's there's other parts of his argument that don't ring true for me as well you know like saying hey you know we've never had this problem before the government is has been micromanaging the internet through net neutrality and and both of those statements i don't see as as correct. I mean, before the FCC decided that they needed to reclassify internet service providers as a utility so that they could regulate them and stop them from blocking certain types of content or charging more for certain types of content, uh, what we were seeing was case after case where ISPs were doing this very thing. And uh, Netflix is a perfect example. I I remember when Comcast and Verizon were pressuring Netflix to pay them extra money to allow the video streams to go through without being degraded or, or even stopped. I routinely experienced bad video connections for for netflix like the the video stream would stutter the video stream would stop i couldn't get it to start at all and i could do a bandwidth check at the same time and my bandwidth was fine so it so it wasn't that i, I just had a bad internet connection it's that the content was being throttled artificially and and there was it sprint that decided they wanted to block facebook messenger and try and push people into their own messaging apps. And uh, anyhow, there, there are several cases over the, the the years leading up to the FCC saying, okay, we're reclassifying you, where the very net neutrality concerns that people are, are voicing today, we were already experiencing. Yeah, I'm just having a really hard time with, uh, with accepting Ajit Pai's arguments because they're just not ringing true to me.
1: Oh, by the way, I just looked up here. If you have a Contour Two set-top box from Cox Communications, it comes with a Netflix app.
21: Oh well, there you go. So yeah, th- this to me feels like a uh, a way that that internet service providers are able to make their packages more enticing, but at the same time. Kind of works around net neutrality issues because now Netflix
1: and the ISPs have their own special deal going on. And the way it's done here is a way that sidestepped it completely. Again, showing that the FCC chairman's statement was a complete lie. They're showing here innovation, creativity. Okay, how can we benefit from Netflix because it's using so much of our bandwidth? We still strike a deal, but it's not prioritization of access. It is simply embedding them in our set-top box. It's just another feature. So they sidestep any consideration of net neutrality. It's a built-in feature. It's like having USA Network. Now I have Netflix, and I pay a separate subscription fee for it. It's like premium cable. They've turned it into premium cable. Netflix. You see what they did? Yep. And therefore, it's connected directly to their head end. It's just like providing HBO, Showtime, Cinemax, premium cable, now including Netflix. And you watch if the other services don't try to do things like that, too. Hulu Plus, Amazon, that's the way they're going to end it. You won't have to worry about it. Because the reason there was ever a problem with net neutrality is because Netflix consumes so much of your internet bandwidth. But if they're already tied up with all these cable providers where they're providing content directly through their system and giving them a piece of the action, obviously, therefore you don't have to worry about this. So, you know, maybe the issue of net neutrality was kind of obviated that way. The fear was that, of course, that a startup would suddenly have to confront increased costs in order to get free access on the internet. But the reason we had a problem with Netflix was not because they were a tiny startup using you know, a small amount of bandwidth. It's because they were using so much of it and they were so dominant that in order to keep the pipes clean, the various ISPs had to do something. And now that problem is solved for itself because they'll partner with Netflix and it's over. Unless another company gets that big, it won't be an issue in the future. Or again, it's a matter of also preventing cord cutting. If you're giving people Netflix, they're not going to leave your service, maybe with a basic package and a special deal, they won't leave the service. They'll keep their business. And that way, everybody is happy.
21: And what they've done, I I think, is just amazing or ironic. They've taken one of the, the symbols that people hold up for cord cutters and turned it into just another channel. Netflix becomes just another channel for you. So, yeah, they're, they're enticing people away from being cord cutters by using the very things that, that were drawing people away in the first place.
1: And now bear in mind something, too, here. Here's what's going to happen. There are going to be lawsuits from different states attorneys general over the Mm -hmm. end of net neutrality so it's not going to end tomorrow it's going to take months even to get the rules published for next year lawsuits will keep it going for a year or more if there's a new administration in 2020 say the democrat gets elected next time he'll have his FCC and they'll just restore the rules so I don't think that the ISPs are going to be too high and mighty because you know this shall pass. So they had net neutrality. In the future, in the near future, maybe they won't. But that doesn't stop abuses from gaining attention, and it happens all over again with a future administration.
21: I I have uh, a feeling about how this is going to play out, at least for the relatively near future. And so we we already know that from the date of the FCC ruling that we have a two month window before the change is going to effect. Now, in the meantime, we already have several states attorneys general that have that have already said yes, we are filing a lawsuit to block this this uh, FCC change from going into effect. My assumption is. That those lawsuits will also include an injunction request to stop any changes from happening while the lawsuits are in progress. That seems like a reasonable uh, thing for a judge to agree to. so my my uh, expectation is that everything freezes as it is today until the lawsuit is finished and in the meantime we're already seeing at least a couple senators that are saying hey we need to enact laws that protect net neutrality which would just take this whole thing out of the fcc's hands anyhow and if if that were to happen it doesn't matter what ruling the fcc wants it's it now becomes set in law and that of course that could take a while to to happen as well so, I think we have not just a couple months before we see a change in uh, net neutrality, but many months, if not a year or two.
1: I'm going to ask a question of Jeff Gammon of the Mac Observer for our next segment, and that is: What would happen if you really used a lightsaber? What will the Force do? More to come on the Tech Night Owl Live.
3: For more details, visit Rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com.
4: Guys, wouldn't your wife or girlfriend love it if you treated her to the very best this Christmas? Well, you can, and you don't even have to go out of your way. We're talking about the world's softest pajamas, available exclusively at Pajamagram.com. That's Pajamagram.com. Created by a team of dedicated pajama experts, the world's softest pajamas are lighter than a cloud, softer than a bunny, like cashmere, only better. She'll love the way the world's softest pajamas feel, and you'll love the way they look. More than a gift, they're a feeling, an invitation to relax a little longer. The world's softest pajamas are available only at pajamagram.com. Visit today and give her a gift that keeps on giving to both of you. Plus, you don't even have to wrap, because every Pajamagram includes free gift packaging, and Christmas delivery is guaranteed. So visit Pajamagram.com or call
13: 1-800-GIVE-PJs. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I'm here to tell you about GCNtelecare.com, a team of board-certified doctors assisting you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week,
0: With a few clicks, information from your past can be quickly discovered, from business deals gone wrong, to misleading reviews, negative articles, and unflattering images. Studies show 78% of people search for someone online before doing business with them. Will they find the real you? That's 800-831-0771. 800-831-0771. Or visit reputationdefender.com.
21: If you they will hear you.
0: Why are we getting killed like this?
9: Kyle's not here. Got caught drinking beer in the park a couple of nights ago. Really? Yeah. Zero tolerance. He's out for the season. Harsh. Hey, he knew not to drink. We've made that clear to all of our kids, right? Uh... No, not really. Bill, if we don't tell them what we expect and why they shouldn't drink,
18: how are they going to know? Talk. They hear you. Hear
22: you. can
4: do
0: it if you try.
11: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at techniteowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com.
1: Now, just to put things in perspective, as you know, the latest Star Wars movie, Last Jedi, last film Carrie Fisher did, and I suspect that also Mark Hamill has gone after this one. Delivered $45 million from Thursday previews in the U.S., which is the second most popular movie on a Thursday preview. All right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, Disney is enjoying this. And maybe George Lucas has to say, should I have sold this? Well, it wouldn't have happened like that. Tell us about the lightsaber.
21: Okay, so I, I know what you're asking about, and I have to give credit where credit is due. The, the science behind all of this was explained by Kyle Hill from Because Science, and he did a fantastic job with it. So I, I hope I do justice to, to the math and science that, that he worked through.
1: But, but understand through. here, we're talking about a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. So maybe right. the laws of physics do not apply as they do here.
21: Yes. So yes, we have to keep that in mind. It's possible that we're trying to apply our galaxy's physics onto another galaxy, and maybe that's inappropriate. But based on our galaxy's physics, the amount of energy that that you need to create that beam, the, the blade beam, is equivalent to the energy that you need to run a nuclear submarine. And so if you put that much energy, into a space that small, you know, just this this little tubular beam coming out of a out of a hilt, simply igniting the lightsaber would create heat that would be akin to being literally inches from the surface of the sun. So as soon as you turn the beam on, you've just instantly incinerated everyone in the room. But if you take out that and just give everyone for, for the sake of science and uh, and storytelling, that when you turn the lightsaber on, it's just not going to incinerate everything simply by being on. Now you have the problem of what happens with all of that energy when you hit someone with a blade. So instead of slicing like a knife would, what it does is it it just vaporizes whatever matter it comes in contact with so when you cut someone's arm off with a lightsaber like like uh, obi-wan kenobi did in the mos eisley cantina what you see is this arm that gets cauterized and falls off and the reality is the water in all of those cells would expand and escape at the speed of sound and having to escape from such a small space, that's the equivalent of, of creating a bomb. So if you get hit with a lightsaber, you essentially explode. Even before the lightsaber has touched you, the heat from the blade, when uh, when you're just uh, a few centimeters away, would have already incinerated all of your clothes and the uh, the top layers of skin right off of you. So you'd be experiencing that right before you explode, which sounds like a horrible experience to have, just all the way around. So lightsabers are are cool. Lightsabers are, are so much fun to see and to fantasize about in in sci fi. But the reality is is that these would be horrible, horrible weapons to experience. Just every time you hit someone with your blade, they explode. Fight over. Right. But remember this is all tempered by the force. That's true. So so maybe the force is creating Uh, like a a magnetic field around that plasma beam and maintaining everything and allowing only enough energy to pass through or or the appropriate amount of energy to pass through so that when you cut someone instead of making them explode that you get more of of a knife type effect but when you jam your lightsaber through a blast door it can uh release more of that energy so that the metal actually melts around the blade and lets you cut right through the door.
1: One point they were saying when scientists were starting to look into warp drive in the 90s that you'd need planet-sized power resources to Mm -hmm. use warp drive. Now they've got down much smaller. So as science develops, they'll find ways to refine this. I also suspect a lot of the technology you see in something like star wars is left by ancients by an ancient race because you don't really see that much going on in building technology it just seems to be the same stuff
21: yes technology in the star wars universe seems to have stagnated at some point
1: so it may be kind of like what you saw in stargate sg1 where a lot of the inventions like the stargate were left by this ancient advanced race that no longer exists
21: yeah, and that's possible. And yeah, so this this could be stuff. Well, it seems that uh, it All right, so so if you if you take all of the Star Wars lore that that we have, it it looks like the old republic which predates what we have in the movies by a very long time. This is the same technology they had then, and it appears that it was already old. So then if you go back even farther, like when you're going back to the, the beginnings of the Jedi, it, it, it seems that they already had pretty advanced technology for spaceflight. So sure, I can totally go with this is technology that, that they've been dealing with for as long as anyone can remember. And it's left behind from some other ancient uh, civilization.
1: And the level which they're functioning now, it's like the 19th century, like Westerns. They're living in the 19th century using inventions that predate them by thousands of years. And they understand enough to maybe build the things, but they don't have the scientists to do anything more than rote, to just follow instructions and such. They don't have scientists working on advancing technology.
21: Right. It seems that the scientists they have are looking at ways to manipulate the technology they already have. And uh, the the example that that comes to mind for me for that is from from um, Rogue one, the the Star Wars movie, sure. that's essentially a prequel to episode four where you have a group of scientists working on, uh, on creating the energy beam systems for the Death Star. And they're, they're not developing new technology, it doesn't seem. It looks like they're adapting technology that they already have and figuring out how to use it more efficiently. So, yeah, I, I can totally go with this hypothesis you, you've, you've come up with. You see? And you're going to see the movie, of course. Yes. My my schedule has not permitted me to get out and see it yet. So, hopefully this evening.
1: Well, I don't know about me. I did see Rogue One last year, but my son was in town. And he's not going to be here till the spring. But I might get to see this movie anyway. You know, you know because I'm a very old man, so I get the senior citizen discount. All that good stuff. More to come with Jeff i um Gene Steinberg, you're in the Tech Night Out Live.
12: Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit gcnlive.com today.
0: People search the internet for everything, including you. With a few clicks, information from your past can be quickly discovered. From business deals gone wrong, to misleading reviews, negative articles, and unflattering images. Studies show 78% of people search for someone online before doing business with them. Will they find the real you? That's 800-831-0771. 800-831-0771. Or visit reputationdefender.com.
15: Message and data rates may apply.
0: Guys, got
15: hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head? Comb it over? Wear a hat? Just stop. This isn't 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration expert, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to everyone who texts easy 66 to 85850. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part, Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let them show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY66 to 85850. Ask about the Bosley guarantee. E A S Y 6 6 to 85850.
5: What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know.
1: Now, of course, since we always talk about pop culture, have you had a chance to see any of the recent shows on TV or have you been delinquent?
21: I have been delinquent on some things because I have just had so many things to to deal with. It seems like I keep running out of time at the end of the day. Um, so uh, although during some of the time when I could have been watching some of the current stuff, I started watching Dark Matter. So now I have a new show to add to my, to my uh, sci-fi pop culture lexicon.
1: Dark Matter is from Sci-Fi Channel. It's already canceled, though, isn't it?
21: Um, yeah, I, th- I think it ran three seasons, something like that. Uh, for, for me, that that's fine, because it's a lot easier for me to decide to invest in a series when I know that I get to see the whole run, as opposed to you go partway through, and then it just got uh, randomly canceled mid-season, and you're just left hanging.
1: I think part of it is that the show had shall we say, an end. It ran out of ideas. However, Killjoys, which is about these bounty hunters, that's had three seasons so far, and they've got two more.
21: You know, I like the idea of shows when when the developers create it they have a finite run in mind already they they know what the story is going to be or at least have a good idea what it's going to be throughout the entire series so they they can work towards uh, towards a planned conclusion it just it just feels like a much cleaner way to go into storytelling uh, unlike Lost, which so many people loved, but it was kind of a meandering thing because he didn't know where they were going with
1: it. It was like making it up as you go along. Oh, sure. I yeah. think that's part of the problem right there, where you don't have an end game. And then some shows just oh. outlive their usefulness. And I'll give you an example of that: NCIS, which is the most popular scripted drama in the entire world. Okay. Mm-hmm. It was a spinoff from a show called Jag. JAG was about the judge advocate general the military lawyers and that was loosely based on the concept of a few good men the Rob Reiner film mm-hmm. all right based on the Aaron Sorkin play with Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson so they right. take Taking the concept the truth, of the lawyers right? and becomes a tv procedural featuring military lawyers NCIS was a spin-off so JAG left NCIS which begat two spin-offs NCIS Los Angeles With Robin, Chris O'Donnell, and LL Cool J, Mm -hmm. the hip-hop singer. They star in that show. And then they've got NCIS New Orleans with Scott Bakula, who, of course, did Star Trek Enterprise and other shows. You know, he's... Quantum Leap. Quantum Leap, right. Now, so they got that, but NCIS is like 15 years so far, 14, 15 years I used to watch I kind of got used to it. And this year, some of their cast members have left or are leaving. And the show is kind of, I'm watching it. and I think I've seen this before. How many ideas can you come up with? 22, 23 episodes a year for 15 years. So it's off my DVR. Yeah, Another yeah. one is Criminal Minds, you know, where they have these serial killers and they have this special group of criminal profilers, FBI criminal profilers. And it's the same thing. It's like, how many years can you do this since not repeat yourself? So that's off for me. Mm-hmm. I turned that off. In fact, one of the stars of that show became the star of SWAT. He, he left the show, too. <laughs> so, you know, it gets to a point here where shows just last forever. And at some point, they either need to reinvigorate themselves or you say enough I remember Star Trek series would be like, except for the original, which was like two and a half seasons or something, they would be like seven or eight seasons and then they would wrap up and go away, except for Enterprise, which lasted maybe four seasons. But now you right. have these shows like Law & Order, SVU, it's been on for like 18 years. And you see the star, Mariska Hargitay, who was Jane Mansfield's daughter. When Jane Mansfield, you remember her? She was like a a would-be Marilyn Monroe and she died in a car crash and her daughter was in the car but she survived and she is on this show for like 18 years and you see it you know where she weighs about 30 pounds more and she's a good actress and everything but she kind of owns the show now and she also runs this site this charitable site for help people who have been victims of sexual crimes and such. I mean, she's really into it. Like, everything you see in the show, she believes that. That's her. Mm-hmm. She became that person. And she's not a police officer, but she became an activist. She's that person. That show never ends. I just think with TV, you've got to reach a point where it's enough. Of course, I guess they said that was Star Wars, and this is what, the eighth movie and then Rogue One is another movie, and they've got you know other things. They're doing a Han Solo movie for the young Han Solo. They're going to milk that yep. for whatever it's worth. And superheroes the same way. But I think like Arrow is in its sixth year now. That maybe has another year to go. I think, and they should just you know get on with it. Mm-hmm. Supergirl, Flash, three, four years, Legends of Tomorrow, seven years got to be enough for a series. I, I'm with you. It's, th- this is one of the things that, I, that I've always
21: liked about so many of the, of the BBC television series. They were all designed to be short runs. So you get a handful of episodes, a couple seasons of episodes, and then they just move on to something else. And you're not left wishing that they had ended earlier. You're, in most cases, wishing that they had made more episodes, which I think is a much better way to, to end a series. One of the exceptions, but they still kind of do it, is Doctor Who. That's been running, not continuously, but it's been running for over 50 years. About the time it seems like it like it hits a point where maybe it should end, they reinvent it and then just carry on with the same idea, but
1: they make it a new show. Well, so, the thing here is with Doctor Who, the star, the doctor, is only there for two or three years. And then Mm -hmm. that doctor leaves. And each series is only like 10 or 13 episodes, I forget. So they have a Christmas special. That person doesn't outlive their welcome. When they reinvent it with a new star, a new Doctor Who, it brings a new dynamic to the series. And of course, even the showrunners, the producers and people, they are changed as well. That's the way they get energy. Now I've got a woman, Jodie Whittaker, a blonde haired Doctor Who is taking over. And she's a mid-30s kind of woman. And she was in Broadchurch before, by the way. Okay. Which is another long-running series, as I recall. We ran like three years. And it was descended from the same original series that like The Killing did and things like that. But Broadchurch started to be a series, a single season about a murder. And then the ramifications of the murder. Then another crime woman in the third years is raped and they have to find the sexual predator and everything. And the star of that show was David Tennant, one of the Mm -hmm. Doctor Whos. And that person who did Broadchurch is the new showrunner for Doctor Who, and Jodie Whitaker was one of the stars of Broadchurch. So there you go. And then, of course, think about interpollination. Arthur Darville, who played one of the assistants for Doctor Who, Mm -hmm. he, of course... Was the commander of the Wave Rider, the Time Machine, and Spaceship in Legends of Tomorrow, DC.
21: Yes. Oh, that's right. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah,
1: I, I really enjoy
21: the, the whole crossover thing. And not because I feel like it's drawing all these different shows together as if they're a single universe, but because I love seeing these these actors that I've become familiar with and comfortable with doing other things, and uh, it's it's just fun.
1: And watching, you know, all of them get together. In fact, there was a report in one of the sites suggesting that, and we'll get into this. The next issue, but the Crisis on Earth X, which was the four part crossover for the DC comic shows on CW, the Arrowverse, they call it, they said it was better than Justice League. Let's get on with more of this with Jeff Gamut. I'm Gene Steinberg, you're in the Tech Night Out Live.
12: Thank you for listening to GCN.
1: TechNightOwl.com slash
3: host.
10: KD Armor has been on a mission to manufacture the most comfortable body armor on the market, and we've succeeded. With the release of our CQB technology, we now offer the most comfortable concealable rifle-threat body armor available. Things may look good now, but what if you need added protection? Get your very own concealable rifle-threat armor today at KDArmor.com. And for a limited time, get all plates at wholesale pricing only at CATIArmor.com.
17: If you or someone you care about loves outdoor adventure, then check out Slingbow.com for some unique holiday gift ideas. That's Slingbow.com, where we have some innovative new products for the archer, hunter, or bow fishing enthusiast in your family. Now through January, use the promo code HOLIDAY to get free shipping in the U.S. or Canada. And from all of us at Slingbow Industries, have a safe, joyous, and peaceful holiday season.
5: You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next.
1: So let's look at that here. We have Supergirl, Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow, The Flash, 4... Part crossover, episode of each show, two on one day, two in the next day. It's like a long movie. You figure a TV show is 43 minutes, okay? So it's a really long movie. And then you've had Justice League with all the publicity about Justice League with Superman, Batman, The Flash, a different actor playing The Flash in the movies. I don't know if you saw it yet. They have Wonder Woman, who's just incredible. She's a star. Gal Gadot is a star. And she's also, if you've seen her interview, she's very funny and everything. Yes, she is. Right. A nice, funny Jewish girl who's like almost six feet tall or something like that. The Arrowverse thing, the crisis of Earth X was 172 minutes, two hours and 52 minutes, almost three hours, you know?
21: So even longer than, than Star Wars The Last Jedi.
1: Right. And now Justice League was just an hour and 59 minutes. It's done mediocre business at the box office. It's grossed about $650 million. They need to make another $50 million. Like, it has to grow $700 million to make a profit. They were having problems. And then, of course, they got two directors. Zack Snyder had a problem. His daughter died tragically. And he and his wife had to get away. And so they gave Josh Sweden, fresh off from the Avengers, taking over Justice League. To, you know, maybe clean things up, you know, get better character interactions, whatever. And he shot the final scene, supposedly with Zack's vision, of course. Then the the very dark, heavy music from Hans Zimmer for Mm -hmm. Man of Steel, Batman v. Superman, everything like that. And, of course, the Batman movies, The Dark Knight, Batman Begins and everything else. They called in Danny Elfman to do the music for Justice League. And then he adds elements of his own Batman theme in there. And he grabs elements of John Williams' original Superman theme and throws it in there. He's pretty brilliant as a musician. Right. So he puts all that stuff in there and takes it over. But the film got decent reviews from regular people. But the reviewers savaged it. And now part of the problem is that DC wanted the film kept within two hours. And maybe if they let it go for another half hour, it would have been okay.
21: The problem I see with uh, with DC and their movies is that they're trying to do too much. They're trying to take the movie t- movies too seriously, and they feel like they need to be much darker than they are as, as comic book properties. But I think you see, need-
1: that's the reverse... Of the TV shows. I mean, Arrow is pretty dark, but Legends of Tomorrow is a funny romp. They have a good time. For one season, Flash got a little dark. Now it's lightened up again. Supergirl is kind of dark this year because she's faced off against Rain, this world Mm -hmm. killer from the comics. And I don't want to tell you what's happened, but you probably read about it. She was beaten to a pulp by Rain, Mm -hmm. Supergirl, and she's in a coma. And when they come back after the mid-season finale, obviously, she then meets the Legion of Superheroes, which is famous from the comic books, by the way. Right. And they will help her defeat Rain. But the thing is here, what they were saying here with the comparison of Justice League versus the Arrowverse crossover is that they were better shows. The special effects were pretty decent for TV shows because they can do that now. But more important, you really got into the character development a lot more. And each yes. show extolled the virtues of its individual characters, gave them places to shine, had elements that still related to the seasons of each series. So it had, of course, the wedding in Flash,
12: mm-hmm. Barry
1: Island and Iris West. They get married. What about Oliver Queen and Felicity Smoke? What about Supergirl getting off the fact that her boyfriend Monel ended up marrying this other person because he was away for seven years and because of the time slip, it was only seven months to her? All the things from the individual shows of the season so far were kept in the crossover where they met Nazi versions of themselves.
22: I really
1: like how DC does TV shows. Why can't they do that in the movies? And the other thing that bothers me also is that you establish an actor as Flash on TV. Grant mm-hmm. Gustin. The movie's got a totally different actor. He's really good, but he plays Flash more like a like a nerd. Why do you yes. do that?
21: You have Not because they wanted him to be
1: like Spider Man. Exactly. They wanted him to be a Spider Man character, this ultimate nerd, a younger guy, instead of a police scientist. But then you have Henry Cavill, who is a perfectly representable Superman. At least he has the look of it. But he plays Clark Kent like a dullard. Whereas you hire this actor from Teen Wolf, Tyler Hockland to play Superman in the DC Comics show on TV for Supergirl. Mm-hmm. And he's a perfect Superman. You know, he's in the spirit of Christopher Reeve. His Clark Kent is not as goofy. But he has a perfect presence, you accept him as Superman. He has the sense of humor from the comics, even more so than Christopher Reeve displayed. He's a perfect Superman. Yes, he, he feels, even though he's Kryptonian, he feels human.: Right, and the Clark Kent is perfect, and you wonder, what if he was in the movie? And how does the public supposed to react to that? You got Superman on TV, a different actor playing Superman in the movies. All right? Now, I don't know what they're going to do with Batman. Of course, we've had two Batman actors in the movies just in recent years. We had Christian Bale and now Ben Affleck, and he may be on the outs. We have two guys playing Flash. See, this
21: is where DC needs to mimic Marvel more closely. Because when Marvel crosses over between television and movies, they use the same actors. So you don't have this weird confusion. You don't have these characters that are one thing in one place and something different somewhere else. It's a it's a totally unified universe. That's what DC should have done as well, and they decided not to. So now we have this weird television DC thing and movie DC thing the
1: television thing is clearly superior to the movie thing. Melissa Benoist has done movies. I don't think Grant Gustin has done movies, but, you know, they're all good actors, could do it. So, Jeff Gammon, please tell our listeners, if they want to know more of what you do, with or without your personal lightsaber, where do they go? <laughs> Well, they can go over to MacObserver.com,
21: where you can find what I write along with a lot of other really talented people. And you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Jay Gamet. Same thing on Instagram. Right now, I'm doing a a Lego advent calendar every day. So a new little Lego build every day for you up to December 24th.
1: If you're into Lego, of course. If you're into
21: Lego, of course. But really, who isn't?
1: If you're into Twitter, you can find us 288 characters now. If you look for Tech Night Owl, look for Tech Night Owl on Twitter. You can also find Gene Steinberg on Facebook, the guy with the red plaid shirt. That's me. We also have another radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night called The Paracast at Paracast.com. Our guest this week is Alejandro Rojas, and he's one of the guiding lights behind an event called the International UFO Congress, which takes place near Scottsdale, Arizona, every February. And we talk about that and all the really interesting people who are going to be there from different countries, even. Paracast.com. And don't forget, Plus at plus.technightowl.com. That's plus.technightowl.com. We give you a version of this show without the network ads. Better quality audio. And that's one thing this new version of Skype that's so flaky gives you is a little bit better quality audio than the previous version believe it or not you get that for a low subscription rate if you go to plus.technightout.com plus.technightout.com and the new version of our forum software is hopefully going to give us more ways to pay not just paypal and credit cards via paypal we'll let you know plus.technightow.com jeff gamut thanks for joining us in the tech night now live thanks for having me it's always so much fun to get to talk with you